Today on CityCast Boise, Republicans wasted no time in restarting the culture wars during this first week of the legislative session. Boise State Public Radio's Jimmy Dawson is here to give us the scoop. Plus, are we in for Snowmageddon Part 2? It's Friday, January 12th. I'm Frankie Barnhill, and this is what Boise's talking about. Hey, Jimmy, thanks for being back on the show. Frankie, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Um, damn, uh, Republicans are wasting no time this session, especially with these hot button culture war issues around books, libraries, abortion. What's going on? Yeah. So, A, if I sound like a broken record, people are probably going to hear this all the time that yeah. it's an election year. <laughs> it's the phrase of the phrase of the year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. Basically, you have a lot of lawmakers who, you know, want to project exactly how they feel on certain issues. And I think it's fair to say that not that these bills are necessarily easier to draft in some respects, but, you know, if you are um, not necessarily trying to get a coalition or or get an extreme majority support of a particular issue, Mm -hmm. like those come out first and you had those in your back pocket and boom, let's go full steam ahead. You know, we only have until maybe mid or late March uh, when they usually want to get out there. So it, it's not really that surprising. We we see it every couple of years. Yeah, basically every other year, every other ele- every mm-hmm. election year. So they, they want to get home. They want to they want to prove to their voters back home just how just how conservative, just how out there they might be, depending on your views. And at the same time, we've definitely watched a lot of this movie before uh, because this session in, in in many ways, is going to be a sequel to last year's when it comes to bills that were floated last year, failed, tweaked, didn't make the make it to the finish line officially. Uh, I should say for for some people, many people in Boise, especially, uh, it's probably more of a horror movie uh, sequel. Um, but when it comes to things like you know education savings accounts uh, that Republicans want to to try again that failed last year targeting librarians, finding a way to uh, legislate around what books are available to children. Are are you just having deja vu like every day this week? Oh, yeah. I'm basically Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's nothing that we didn't expect. I mean, they they came out and said this during uh, the legislative preview event that we hold right before the session the week before. So it's no surprise. Yeah, no, but it it is it is kind of like, okay, well, you have to almost be even paying more attention to it because you want to make sure that you're not missing any sort of minute tweaks that right. could have uh, like a, an actual big effect on the ultimate you know, legislation if it is passed into law. So far, we haven't seen too many significant tweaks or like a bill presented as, hey, this is a repeat of last year, but it's not. Mm. Um, but yeah, it. it you're totally right that this is absolutely deja vu and uh, uh, pretty much everything that we saw last year has has come up almost so far uh, just in the first week. The big hot button issues anyway. So, OK, so let's dig into one of those uh, that you've been covering, starting off with the so-called library porn bill. Uh, who brought it forward this time and how is it different from last year's that didn't pass? 
Yeah, uh, same sponsor as last year. You've got uh, Republican Representative Jaron Crane out of Nampa. Uh, and the way that it differs from last year is that it lowers the, uh, I don't want to say automatic fine, but kind of like a statutory fine if uh, a library violates this. But then there is a, a important distinction in that someone can't just outright sue the library immediately. Hmm. Basically, you have to give a library 30 days written. uh, I don't want to say it's a request because it's not. um, But anyone can go into any public or library, school library, or even like a, a private school library and say, I see this book is on your shelf. It's available, you know, to the general public. I want it to go into an adults only section and the library has 30 days to do that. There's no discretion for, you know, the school board, the library board, who, whoever is running that library to kind of say, well, no, we think that this should belong in general collection. There's not like an appeal, really appeal option there. No, there is not. So yeah. they would have to do it within 30 days or get sued. And if they get sued, then it went down from you know, a couple thousand bucks of sort of a statutory fine limit to a maximum of $250. But the important thing to realize there is that whoever sues can also sue for uh, what's called actual damages, which means, you know, if you uh, say that you suffered uh, extreme mental duress during the whole thing, you know, a a judge or a jury could award you uh, uncapped uh, money right there, um, which kind of goes against what Jaron Crane told me and the in the committee uh, earlier this week that he doesn't think that this would bankrupt Idaho libraries, especially in small rural places where their budget is is pretty minimal. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, in, in Boise, uh, $250 might be not a huge hit, although depending on how often it happens, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I think the the question of these rural communities um, around the state, that's a, that's a strong point or an interesting question to keep pursuing. Remind me, though, I can't remember because, yeah, deja vu all over again. Was last year's uh, bill the one that made it the furthest that Governor Lee T- Little ended up vetoing? Was that targeting libraries? Was the fine going to apply to the institution or to the individual librarian who might have allowed a checkout to happen? That would have applied to the institution. Uh, a couple years ago, there was a, another effort to just completely, I guess, get rid of this exemption in state law that applies to libraries, it applies to museums and, and things like that so that they're not subject to the um, the state's obscenity law. And then that would have you know, conceivably been applied to individual librarians. How will local control is a, a topic that comes up often at the legislature. How how does local control come into this uh, particular bill? It seemingly doesn't in terms of the fact that there's no sort of discretion for the local library board if they're elected, if it's the school board that's elected or, you know, whatever sort of system of trustees you have for a a private school that this would apply to. None of those overseeing bodies would have any sort of ability to, you know, take feedback from other constituents on like, hey, what do you think about this book? Do you think it's inappropriate? Should it be only available to uh, someone who's over 18? Um, There's none of that. And so I, I think that it's pretty easy to make the argument that there there really isn't any local control on under this bill. How would you say this debate has already affected people in Boise specifically? I mean, as we we said so far, a, a statewide law hasn't been passed, but this has already seen some effects in the Boise area. It has. I mean, think about how 
uh, West Ada School District has has banned a handful of of books from their public libraries, right? Uh, just in the last few months. Uh, not to mention that West Ada, you know, a lot of people rightly think that, oh, well, that's just Meridian. That's not Boise. But there are, if you look at the district boundaries, um, a, a decent amount of West Boise is actually within the West Ada School di- District, which is also Idaho's largest school district. And so, you know, to have this gigantic school district uh, banning books or at least not making them available to someone under under 18, depending on what the policy might be, um, you know, does actually affect people in Boise, especially, you know, if you think, well, uh, housing is much more affordable in West Boise. So uh, for those on the lower income spectrum, if if they own a home or if they find affordable rental property uh, in its more likely to be in West Boise, and then you're more likely to be within the boundaries of the West Ada School District, too. Yeah, great points. Uh, Of course, okay, so right now this was just introduced, uh, still needs a public hearing, which, of course, will be interesting to watch if it gets to that stage, um, which it sounds like it will. And then there are many more steps, uh, including Governor Little, um, who, as we mentioned before, last year when a similar bill came to his desk that was uh, passed by um, the legislature, he vetoed it. Do you think he'll do that again? I mean, it, it all depends, of course, on the particulars of a bill, if it gets amended later, if there's a different version uh, implemented or or introduced and then goes through the whole thing. But um, it's it's really difficult to say just because maybe these tweaks appeal to him. I don't know. Uh, I mean, in his veto letter, if you if you take a look at it, I mean, he didn't want unintended consequences for the libraries. Uh, you know, he he said, quote, the legislation makes sweeping blanket assumptions on materials, uh, you know, and it could force one interpretation of that onto every single person who is a patron of that library. Um, not to mention he wasn't really into uh, what he called a bounty system <laughs> for people suing libraries. Right. Mm-hmm. He didn't want people to become rich by by suing public entities. So. You know, that provision is still in there, you know, still not really much local control at all uh, included in this. And so it it seems to be leaning like he wouldn't be a fan of it, but it's also an election year. He's not yeah. up for election, yeah. uh, but maybe he doesn't want to spend his political capital on this if, say, he wants to get money for Idaho launch his, uh, you know, high school um, college tuition grant program uh, that, you know, isn't really that popular in the state house among republicans Mm, that is such a good such a good insight jimmy okay pivoting from that library bill that is deja vu to a new one um we haven't seen this before republican representative julianne young from blackfoot uh she uh uh wants to change the word fetus to pre-born child in state law. Planned Parenthood hates this. So many people in Boise absolutely hate this. Uh, What's going on with this one? It's hard to say. So Representative Julianne Young, uh, as you mentioned, who's the bill sponsor, basically said that she wanted to take out uh, what she called a, quote, medical term of fetus and replace it with something that she and a lot of other people in Idaho, especially the legislature, um, 
believe that life begins at conception. And so therefore a fetus is a child in their eyes. And so they're just basically saying, yeah, this, this is humanizing language. And, uh, you know, it's not just cold and ivory tower medical speak. Right. Um, that word fetus or some version of it appears more than 70 times uh, in Idaho code that's now being changed to preborn child. Huh. The unintended or intended consequences, or maybe there's follow-up legislation, who knows? Um, you know, it could be a step towards giving more personhood rights to a fetus, right? Where maybe there would be more laws applied to them, like criminal laws, uh, mm. for instance, like battery or, or whatever, even though there already are um, potential like modifiers. Like if you assault a pregnant woman and uh, she, you know, either miscarries or there's some kind of damage to the, to the child, then, you know, you're, you're on the hook and you get an enhancement, right? Could be that, uh, for instance, there are a couple other states that have tried this or have successfully implemented more personhood status, Georgia, um, for instance, is is one of them where uh, basically pregnant women or the families can get a tax deduction off of it. They can count oh. the, the fetus as a dependent. OK. As for Arizona, they tried to implement like kind of a wide sweeping uh, personhood law that got blocked by a federal court. But there have been other attempts to introduce similar legislation in the past. So I don't know. Uh, you know, that was a question that Boise representative uh, and Boise City Council member soon to be gone from the legislature, Colin Nash. Uh, he told uh, Julianne Young to, uh, you know, be prepared for those questions because he wants to make sure that that's not affording extra rights upon a fetus. So, again, a lot remains to be seen. We don't necessarily know the full intentions of this or the full scope, uh, but it's certainly something that obviously, as you mentioned, Planned Parenthood is keeping an eye on, especially as, you know, we have multiple lawsuits going over Idaho's abortion bans. Yeah. In Planned Parenthood's statement, um, they included, you know, concerns about implications for fertility treatment like IVF, uh, contraception, um, you mentioned, yeah, could it open people up to uh, cr further criminal charges um, outside of what's already on the books? Surrogacy, too. Surrogacy is incredibly popular in Idaho, um, and it's very common compared to other states uh, for, for women here to carry carry uh, surrogate children. Um, I think in the context, too, of just like stepping back for the last week, uh, last Friday, you know, there was the news from the U.S. Supreme Court that removed the stay on one of Idaho's uh, bans on abortion. So effectively now, even in medical emergencies, even in the case where an ER doctor deems that the you know only way to stabilize a pregnant person's life in an emergency situation would be an abortion, now um, that's, that protection is no longer there. Uh, there's just there's a lot of rage. There's a lot of fear in in women in Idaho in particular. Right now, it feels really palpable. Um, and I just wanted to note that and honor that because it feels very like a moment with just this news just keeps compounding. And now this bill was introduced um, that is really is really hurtful to a lot of a lot of people. Just to add in there, uh, Idaho's abortion ban would still allow for an abortion if the life of the mother is threatened. So emergency situations, it just depends on like, you know, 
How sick really are you? And it's the clarity piece, right? That's yeah. what's been, that's what's now muddied um, for medical professionals in that situation. So we already know that OBGYNs uh, have been leaving Idaho um, after our abortion laws uh, went into effect after Roe v. Wade fell. So this is just another, another, another nail, another thing that people are paying attention to. So, um, here I go again, though, of course, it is an election year. Planned Parenthood calls Young's bill grandstanding. Um, and so does it feel like this is something that's going to progress or are we going to see this die in committee here soon? It seemingly is like a no brainer for a lot of Republicans in an election year where they want to be generally seen as pro-life uh, and anti-abortion rights. It, it, it would be hard for me to see that unless there were like significant complications brought upon Idaho law by this, which uh, Representative Young says, you know, is not the case. You know, that that remains to be seen. It, it certainly seems like a slam dunk. OK, Jimmy, snow came. It came finally. Uh, people at Bogus Basin are certainly stoked. Um, did you get any any snowball fight at the Capitol this week? Did that no, happen? No, no. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the snow was was great for that, though. I, I just tried to throw a snowball at uh, my dog, Ruby, though, Aww. before we started recording <laughs> outside. But now it's like it, it's not great snow anymore. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just straight powder. Wet, soggy. Um, although there's, yeah, it's, uh, the time we're recording this on Thursday morning, there's supposed to be more snow and we could see. There's some falling outside my window oh, right now. There there we go. Here it begins. Um, and yes, yeah, so there is a winter storm warning through Saturday. Um, and it reminds me and people on the Internet, the interwebs have been talking about this. Um, and I'm going to put my Boise old school hat on, which is, do, do you kids remember uh, Snowmageddon from January 2017? Um, <laughs> the winter of 2017. The winter of 2017. Uh, Jimmy, I know you weren't in town yet, right? You hadn't moved to Boise at that point. Correct. Yeah. yeah I was a couple months later. Uh, totally missed that. But I got to see like all of the uh, after effects of the green belt getting washed out and stuff oh like that. But yes. Yeah. And then the flooding that happened in the spring. Totally. I was just, yeah, having, going down memory lane. I remember um, I was living in the north end of the time. And in, and in that moment, like they were, you know, the snow plows were the big issue and that ACHD only had a very limited fleet at that time. And they were basically only able to keep up with plowing the main arterials. And uh, my apartment happened to be on Fort Street. So I was lucky in that way because they would plow Fort. But what they wouldn't do is organize any way for if your car is out front, um, where which is where I had to park my car because my apartment didn't have any parking, my car got totally uh, snowed in. Encrusted um, in ice like encrusted afterwards? Encrusted in ice. Ooh. It was stuck for about a week because it took that long for things to melt, for the plows to actually really start digging out. And it was <laughs> my car. I remember the car door. Yeah, I absolutely could not get it open. A, and even if I wanted to get it open, my car was completely covered in snow and had no way of getting out. Did you have to like <laughs> grab an extension cord, like a hundred foot extension cord and, and get your hair dryer? I thought about it, but then I just, I just took Uber to work and up. I remember, <laughs> yeah, hopefully that won't be anywhere near the case because ACHD has since, um, after much uh, vitriol thrown at them, um, enhanced their uh, snowplow fleet. But that's not to say that, you know, they're still 
still aren't possibilities for dangerous driving and everything. And I think about folks who've maybe never seen snow. Maybe this is their first snowstorm. I was reading a Reddit thread where people were being very mean to someone who asked a very honest, open question. Oh, man, <laughs> come on. Who moved here from Western Washington recently uh, about, like, what can I expect or what should I know? <laughs> well, especially because it's like, look, Boise, last time I checked, I think, you know, it's, it's around 15 inches of snow average per year. Like, come on, this isn't Buffalo. It's not upstate New York. It's not yeah. like northern Idaho where, you know, we, we get significant amounts of snow. And like, you know, I, I was telling you beforehand that I lived through and delivered pizza through uh, one of Moscow's, I think it was... Essential the, worker. Yeah, during, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The second snowiest winter in Moscow was more than 100 inches that year. That's a lot. Come on. Like, this is Boise. Uh, granted, the snow over the past week or so has been a little more extreme than usual. It's usually spread out a little bit more, but yeah, yeah, d- don't don't be gatekeeping your your <laughs> snow driving capabilities right? because it's probably not that good anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my my overall advice is just don't drive. Like, if you can stay home, definitely, definitely do it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Keep a keep a little shovel in your car. <laughs> don't slam out. on the brakes. Just you know, tap, yes. tap. tap. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Leave way early. All of those tips are valid. Uh, Also, definitely wear clothes for the weather because it is going to get cold uh, and you would hate to be stuck in your uh, gym shorts um, (laughs) because you thought you were just running out to the grocery store real quick and then your car gets stuck and you need help with strangers to to get you out. So So you're saying the Idaho shorts bro like movement, (laughs) you know, should, should just rethink their entire life's philosophy? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. This is your time to really uh, get with the program. Um, But yeah, I hope you have, I hope Ruby, your sweet golden retriever, has a really good time enjoying the snow. Uh, Dogs in the snow are just my favorite thing in the world. She's loving it. Hopefully Daphne is as well. Yes. Before we uh, say goodbye, this has been great, Jimmy. A quick footnote. Um, you wrote a super helpful glossary for anyone to, to try to understand what the hell is going on at the legislature and to hearing these phrases. There's all this like legalese. For example, radiator capping, which I never understand, which always baffles me. Mm-hmm. Um, where can people find this glossary uh, to help them follow the session and your reporting in general? Yeah, you can go to BoiseStatePublicRadio.org. Uh, that's where the post is going to live, uh, as well as I'm going to promote it in my weekly legislative roundup newsletter, which you can also sign up for at BoiseStatePublicRadio.org. Highly recommend that that newsletter. It's great. If you uh, have any more terms that you want me to add to the glossary, we're always accepting uh, submissions because it's an incredibly confusing place sometimes. And even we who have been there for many, many years, like still have questions about that. So it's it's always a good learning opportunity for all of us. Well, thanks for helping to clear some things up today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Frankie. All right, that's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show was produced by Evelyn Avitia, Grant Irving, and me, Frankie Barnhill. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter, and our music is by Up Is The Down Is The. We're out on Monday to mark MLK Day, but we'll be back on Tuesday with more stories from around the city. Stay warm and stay safe, Boise.